This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're you're tuned into It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. The top podcast covering the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. Hosted by Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata at Odyssey Sports Podcast. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? I'm good. And for how much I am against primetime games, having a Monday night football game makes your week go super fast. Because every single day this week, I'm like, I have no clue what day it is. I'm glad tomorrow's Friday. We made it to Thursday. Um, you know, everything but the game. It really kind of speeds, <laughs> I, speeds your week up. You know, I actually had the epiphany I think it was on Sunday. I was like, I think Monday night might be my favorite primetime game. Well, I'm not sure of that or Thursday, but one of those two. I like them both more on Sunday night because my Sunday very much turned into, oh, I don't have anything going on. <laughs> I can just hang out. I don't need to do whatever. So that was a fun break. But then the game happened and that wasn't fun. Yeah. So speaking of prime time, and I know we'll have plenty to talk about this because we have the bye week after the Panthers this weekend, and then they play the Steelers. I am really hoping my fingers are crossed. Like it's my Christmas wish that that Sunday night football game against the Steelers gets flexed out of (laughs) Sunday night football, which has a real legit chance. Um, Obviously I want Cincinnati to win this weekend and that would probably help their chances, but I just ever, even Steeler fans, I was reading the tweet. They're like, get this game out of Sunday night football, put it on one o'clock. So I'm hoping that happens. It's week 11. I think that's when you can officially start to flex the games. And I think it just falls at the perfect time. So hopefully that one gets flexed out and I'm banking on it right now. Just trying to peek at what could get flexed in. Uh, I mean, chiefs chargers, but that's a four o'clock. I bet CBS protects that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know they love the Broncos Raiders Broncos. put them on put them on let's ride let's ride uh, oh man there's not a lot of good games I think that's the bad news here is it's like Bears Falcons Browns Bills Lions Maybe? Giants no you're right none of that sounds good and the thing is I'm sure the viewership with the Steelers audience and yep. Cincinnati would probably be the best they're like hey we'd probably be okay they'll want the Pittsburgh market yep so we're probably that's not going to happen, but we'll look ahead to that in a couple weeks. We'll stay with what's happening right now. Actually, what just happened? I told you off the air. Um, I really appreciate you going back and watching the tape from Monday <laughs> night because that had to be torture. Uh, I don't even know where you can start because one of the things we've I've said I feel like the Cincinnati team just makes mistakes where they could avoid and they should have won the games when they lost by a field goal. They lost by two against Baltimore Ravens. They should get off to better starts. This game, I mean, credits to the Browns. They just beat them down. And maybe it changes if Cincinnati gets on the board in their first drive and things go differently in the first quarter, even the second quarter. But it just really never looked like they belonged there on Monday Night Football. When you watch the tape, because one of the things we know that happens after a loss is the blame game. I want to blame this unit. I want to blame this player. I want to blame this coach. I want to blame the play calling. And just over a week ago, everybody's like, oh, great game. What a great game plan. You got to give credit to Zach Taylor. You got to give credit to the offensive line, Joe Burrow, this defense. And 
it's just yeah, it's not as fun uh, when you're you're playing that game of of who's the worst or who did a bad job on Monday Night Football. I want to stay with the offensive line because it's been a topic of conversation for years now. And again, around the league, there's some bad offensive line play, and unfortunately, it happened again Monday Night Football on national TV on the big stage for everyone to see. What's up with the offensive line, and is that the biggest problem with the offense from this past Monday? Um, man, it's a good question. I think it is, but it isn't. It isn't just that they're all you know playing terrible. So I think the issue is even early in the game. It was like Burrow's first pass attempt. He was just sped up. It, it just felt like he didn't trust his offensive line to block for him. They had um. A, a race uh, two-man concept, which is a sit and then a, a 12-yard in behind it. The guy didn't even break on the in before Burrow checked it down. And I was just like, he's not even really waiting for that. <laughs> he's he's just like, get this ball out of my hands. I don't want Miles Garrett to kill me. Happened later anyway. <laughs> so, um, But yeah, it felt he felt very sped up as if he didn't trust his offensive line, which just isn't where you want to be. That's where he was against Dallas. And then it felt like last week and the week before, and granted those defensive lines aren't super impressive. The Falcons and, um, oh, wow, blanking on. For, that would be the Saints. Neither oh, my one gosh, of those, I did too. Yeah, neither one of those defensive lines was like, you know, the, the Saints defensive line is good, but they don't have a, a Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, Micah Parsons, et cetera. Um, so, yeah, it felt like Burrow was very much, I'm going to get the ball out of my hands quick. And then the few times he did try to hold on to the ball, it ended up like that strip sack. There was a couple times that he had a good pocket. I think it, it sucks because I think at times they had a good plan for Garrett. And then at times I just didn't like it. At all. Like there, there was a few plays where the tackles on an Island with miles Garrett. And I'm just like, why is the tight end opposite of him? I, you know where that guy is. Most of, most of the time he's over the left tackle. So I'm, to me, I would have my tight end attached at the hip to the left tackle. I know sometimes you want to move him around, change the run strength, the run plays you can get to, but it's more important to me to have that tight end right over, right next to Miles Garrett to give that early chip rather than that late one. Because if Miles Garrett's been in this league a while, he's seen every single chip known to man. He knows all of these things because teams are doing it to him every single week. So I think that's the issue with that late chip that P. Ryan gave. And not to say Jonah played that really, really well, but it, it just – it turned what Jonah was like. He might lose this rep into a disaster in a sack. So I don't know if they had the best plan for Miles Garrett. And I think Burrow was sped up prematurely, but almost ends up being – yeah, that made – it almost ends up being confirmed later in the game when he did try to hold the ball and he, he takes all these hits. So it's hard to blame him. Too much. I don't think the offensive line played very well, and I guess I would say they were the main culprit. Although we're a missed holding call and another holding call away from T. Higgins having quite a game. Well, going back and watching, he was doing very well. It's just uh, they were those officials had a very loose whistle with uh, not calling those uh, when the corner extends his hand after he's been beat, and you can see him magically catch up to the wide receiver. It's like I think I know what happened here. <laughs> So when you watch that, because I think there was some criticism after the game, and of course, you're going to call out the play caller after a loss. It happens every NFL team. We see it, and it's magnified because we are following this team, but it happens all over the NFL when a team loses. That's probably the first thing that people are going to point out is the play calling. When you talk about T. Higgins and you say he could have just had a monster game, do you feel like they had the right game plan with their receivers? Because I've said it before – you yes Jamar Chase is special he is their number one receiver on this team and I think that shows again on Monday Night Football just how they look without him but there were critic there was criticism that they didn't involve T and Tyler more and that was a big head scratcher do you think if if some of those calls go their way that that game plan that they had the right game plan going in um well what they, they did get one of the calls but in my mind, it's just like if he doesn't hold rather than if they get the call. Because the call is way less important than if he doesn't hold and you actually get the 50-yard touchdown. Yeah. So, like, smart on them for, you know, doing that. <laughs> but it does suck uh, for T specifically. Just, like, it looks like he didn't produce until garbage time. But it's like, well, he, he should have. Um, 
I guess I would say I don't think the the, the game plan and the play calling out because it almost feels bad to say the game plan wasn't perfect uh, or anything like that when the scripted plays worked really well. I want to go back and watch one more time and just chart it out. I've been charting the offense every week and I haven't done that yet because I was busy. Um, but it felt like the the scripted plays worked really well. And I want to see what they did there. I know they ran the only. I only know the one RPO and that was when he threw the pick. So I don't think it was a bunch of RPOs down the field that, you know, that that's how they were moving the ball. Um, it seemed like they got quite a few, let's see, they had a 26 yard gain in there, 14 yard gain in there. They got a 12 man call. I don't know. After that, they had an 11 yard gain, 21 yard gain, but they're very spread out and usually had a sack or something to ruin that ruin the drives later on. But, um, they were able to string together a few big plays. I don't know. I, I want to go back and watch. I also think the run game that you have to be able to run on the Browns. I don't think they got like heavy boxes. These these were light boxes that they were trying to run into for the most part. There were a few, you know, plus ones, but a lot of times they were even in the box when they were in the shotgun just because they're so nervous about the passing game. And that's how you should play the Bengals because they can't run the ball and the Browns have a not very good, a bad bottom five run defense and the Bengals could not run the ball. So I think that is a primary reason that it was so it didn't work at all on Monday. So we have to bring that conversation up because it's been one and you're getting to the halfway point of the season it's still a topic of conversation with this offense. It's really hard to be legit, be a contender, be a top AFC team when you can't balance out your offense. And we can talk all we want about being without Jamar Chase. You still have T Higgins, you still have Tyler Boyd, you still have a guy like Hayden Hurst. And this team right now can't run the ball when your quarterback has more rushing touchdowns than your starting running back. That's, that's a little bit of a concern here. I mean, I know it's Joe Burrow and he's a pretty special guy, but at some point, Joe Mixon has to produce. And I I will say this, because the criticism is if his offensive line play was better this year and maybe Frank Pollock, the run game coordinator and offensive line coach, was helping, you know, assist better that Joe Mixon would be better in producing. But my criticism is Joe Mixon has played with far worse offensive lines and he's been able to produce. So what's what's the problem? Like what's going on? There were a few sparks and a few, a few games ago. And now we're at the point where you can't even run against a defense who can't stop the run and you can't score points until the fourth quarter. And you have those weapons. That's a huge concern right now with your run game. Yeah. I think um, after the Ravens saints, uh, the Ravens and saints game specifically, I thought the run game was going to be fine and good because it was good. He was over five yards of carry in both those games. And even last week, um, while it wasn't perfect, there was a, a bit of noise with that because he had so many inside the like five yard line carries inside the two carries that were dragging down his uh, yards per carry. Then this game, I thought Joe Mixon played poorly. Now, I do think he got some unnecessary heat from a screenshot that uh, made it seem as if the offensive line was climbing perfectly to the linebacker and that he missed a touchdown. No comment on it. I just, the, the thing about it is if you take a screenshot literally like a third of a second later, you can see the offensive lineman didn't block that linebacker. He fell down and the linebacker stood in the hole and then T is blocking his guy into that hole. So Mixon didn't really make the wrong read. My issues come. He's, I think as we, a lot of people have pointed out he's not really breaking tackles and the offensive line isn't doing a good job at the second level. I think they're doing an okay job at the first level to create a small opening, but they're not getting to the second level to get him sprung up into the safety, into the corner with a full head of steam. Instead, he has to try to do that to a linebacker and he's just not making those guys miss. He's not, I think he's fine running after contact. I know the stats haven't been great with that. I do think he's still lowering his shoulder and getting some positive yards that way. But it feels as if he just he's not making anybody really miss, not creating explosive plays that way. And then just in that game, it just felt a lot like uh, like he's in space one on one because he had nine targets. He dropped one. <laughs> it was a it wasn't a good drop. It was he had to spin around to catch it. But you're 
you know, you're paid to do that. <laughs> he had seven catches. They only went for 32 yards because he made like nobody miss in the, in the past game. And he had a lot of opportunities to go one-on-one with corners and linebackers and safeties. And he just pretty much went down each time. So I don't know. I thought he looked a lot better the past couple weeks. And then this game happens. I just, this one, I don't know if it was injury though, because he's looked healthy and I, I didn't see like a lack of burst or a lack of ability to change direction or anything like that. Just felt like he's not make it's a balance thing. And I don't know what the cause of that would be. You could play around with ideas, but he just, if he, if he gets hit, it seems like he's going down. I don't know. Maybe it's, um, this is such a big workload. It's taxing on him and maybe the ankles still have fully yield. I don't know. There's a whole lot of op- ideas that could be the reason why, but I thought he looked good the past couple of weeks. So this game was a, a letdown. So, I mean, what do you, what do you do in this situation? Because sorry, Jamar Chase is out right now. going to need a little help from your running back. You pay him a pretty nice chunk of change. They're not going to bench him because of the paycheck that they're paying him. I truly think that he's going to play. They're going to want Joe Mixon out there because he might have a game where he is the old Joe Mixon of what we've seen in previous years. But what do you do? I mean, do you, I know this is the Chris Evans hive, so I'm going to put it out there. Do you give some reps to Chris Evans out there because they're obviously not doing it in the passing game after one shot down the field, we never saw him again. Um, do you have Smaj P Ryan out there? You know, who's producing the most right now? I, I think that's extremely important to balance out your offense when you want to get your run game going. So you have to make a decision soon because it's going to get late. Um, I mean, we could just both realistically say Chris Evans isn't going to take any running tar any any rush attempts He's really not. from him. I, I don't think they like him there. <laughs> I don't think they like yeah, him. I don't think they like him at all. <laughs> Uh, he had two two snaps, and they were both outside at wide receiver. Um, so I don't know. I, I think they like at times to get that matchup when they split him out, and then a, a linebacker matches up over him. I think they like that, and that's about the end of what they like about Chris Evans. I mean, even the kick returns, though, like uh, it's not all him because when I it's hard to see on broadcast, and it's like man. They're getting to the 15, though, and something's got to change on that because that is just unacceptable. Uh, why, are you, why are they coming out of the end zone? Why yeah. are you coming out of the end zone? Yeah, and I, I don't know whose call that is, if Simmons is telling him to do that or if Evans gets the ball and he sees something and goes, oh, I can make something happen here. Well, no, you wouldn't know that unless uh, you talked in the meeting. I would say Mixon over the last four games is still, including this debacle uh, at four what 4.4 yards per carry so it's not terrible if he can stay around there but you want to see more of those weeks with the five yards per carry and up we haven't really gotten a spike week we've gotten like good weeks like these five let's see what he had 5.6 yards per carry against baltimore and new orleans so like those are good weeks but we haven't gotten like a oh Mixon went for seven yards a carry in this game and you know 10 carries 75 yards or something like that he's just not really doing that so if you can get that, that's nice. I think if it was me, I would probably give P Ryan more touches, but it would still be Mixon leading the committee by a fair amount. I just think eight to one is probably a little bit off on the ratio that they should go with for that. But then also they only like P Ryan. They only love P Ryan when he's doing pass protection. Mm -hmm. So What's the snap count? You know, like when do these guys come on the field? There's a whole bunch of issues. I just think give, you know, P Ryan, make it like a 66 33 split on the running back touches, maybe something like that, just to keep Joe a little bit more fresh. If he's older, maybe it'll help. I don't know. I still, I'm kind of with the team where I think the running game will be at its best if you can get Joe Mixon going. I know there's a lot of Chris Evans truthers and there's, Oddly, a lot of Samaj P. Ryan truthers who wild. all wanted him replaced this offseason. I don't forget. Uh, so, like, I thought, I mean, I thought he's a fine running back too, but now there's a lot of people saying, like, he should start. He gets north quick. I think when you look at how they actually run, P. Ryan doesn't move laterally very well or jump cut very well or any of those things. Now, he can get you yards, but to me, he feels more like the Ben Jarvis, Green Ellis, four yards and next play whereas Mixon 
I know he hasn't done much this year, but we have a long track record of him being able to do stuff. And I do think at least last year, even he was very talented. I thought he was still, you know, top 10 running back in the league last year. It's just this year is just, it hasn't been that. And you just, the best way this running, the, the best case scenario for this running game is Mixon can just snap it back on and they're able to roll with him. Yeah, we'll make this fast because I'm going to wrap this up and get to our questions and our mailbag segment. But yes, I will never forget being in an Uber, leaving SoFi Stadium, reading all of the tweets about Samanje <laughs> P. I will never forget that moment. Nobody wanted him on the squad, and now everybody wants him to be the starting running back. So honestly, again, this is a midway point of the season. I'm hoping Mixon gets it going uh, because, again, this offense is better when Joe Mixon is running the game and and in the air on the ground and just really balancing out this offense. So next we'll get to the mailbag on it's always game day in Cincinnati. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Some great mailbag questions. We'll go ahead and get to Dylan right now. He says, why on earth does this team not try the 21 personnel? Seems like any combination of Mixon, P. Ryan, and Evans could be dangerous for this offense. So before, I mean, it was just 11 personnel is the best grouping. You know, (laughs) why would you pull Boyd, Chase, or Higgins off the field for that? But now it becomes more open because they don't have the second tight end that they want. You know, Wilcox and Asiasi are fine to get into 12 personnel stuff. But I think what it really comes down to is they just like to be in the spread gun stuff. I think Burrow likes to be in the spread gun stuff. You could do 21 personnel, even empty. You could do 21 personnel. Maybe you get them to match that with base, um, which is really nice. That's, That's something the Patriots have done for feels like 30 years at this point. But I don't know. However long Belichick's been there, the Patriots have been getting in big personnel and going empty to make these linebackers go out there and go, I got to be out here with him (laughs) in space. Um, I don't know. I think it's a wrinkle they could add in. It's also hard to add things in midseason. You know, the bye week's coming up. That's where you can add quite a bit in. But so much of your practice time goes to, you know, game plan. And things like that. You can't go into like, we're going to install this whole new personnel grouping and all the plays off of it. Not really. <laughs> you know, you need to be able to execute those plays. You can't just draw them up and snap your fingers like, go out there and do that. Um, so maybe after the bye week, you'll see a little bit more. I don't know. I, I just also think that the NFL in general doesn't really care that much to get two running backs on the field at the same time. There's so many instances and so many teams that want to do that. Uh, I think it's called pony personnel for a lot of teams. Um so many fans and all these people are like, well, you just put both running backs on the field. And it seems like a lot of teams are like, we don't want to. <laughs> it's like, okay. I mean, I guess the idea is that neither one of these guys could lead block to do run game stuff out of the 21 personnel. So you're just wasting a guy in the run block in a running play where you can motion him out maybe and somebody follows. But I don't know. That's a lot of thoughts on why they may not do 21 personnel groupings. I have a feeling because it's just the way the season's working out. And honestly, it's been like this my whole entire life while watching this team. But Chris Evans is going to be a big part of this offense, and he's going to catch a touchdown pass. This week? Yeah. All I right. Truly, I believe that because it's not that Zach Taylor is reading Twitter or in Twitter spaces or listening to podcasts or anything like that, but I just have a feeling that they will put him in there. And he's not going to be a huge part of the offense, but it just feels like this is going to be a week that he could, and it's the hot, the hype for Chris Evans would be at an all time if that happened. Um, but for some reason, I don't know, it's going to be a bizarre game, but we'll get to the previews and predictions in the next segment. Gets another question right now. Bengals bub says everyone is screaming for Frankie P's Frank Pollock's job. <laughs> Does us changing from an under center team to shotgun require the line to work a lot differently? So, I think some of these 
some of the blame has been kind of all right. To me, I feel like Frank has done an okay job. I wouldn't say he's been tremendous. The only guy that's really regressed in he has the injury too. I think people keep forgetting he dislocated his kneecap is Jonah Williams. And last night it wasn't a good game. He was having an okay season before that and was actually starting to pick it up right before he dislocated his knee, as we talked about uh that week. I don't know. Lowell Collins, it seems all injury related. He just doesn't look like the same guy, and I don't think that's a coaching thing. The interior has actually played well. You know, you get a late fourth round pick and he's playing like a startable player. That's good. And you and I posted in the preseason, but I was like, oh, he really helped his, you know, his kick slide and pass protection. Like it looks so much better now than it did in North Dakota State. And then Ted Karras and Alex Kapp are having two of the best years of their careers. So when it comes to that side of it, I think Frank's done an okay job. And even Adenji looked better in the preseason. Yeah. But yeah. he is a, he is a zone guy. He he always he played for the 49ers and then he started coaching underneath Alex Gibbs, the wide zone mastermind from Denver. You know, what uh, Mike Shanahan's offensive line coach, Alex Gibbs. He coached underneath him as an assistant, and that's where he picks up all his wide zone philosophy. And they just don't get the horses for it. And I know that Frank's probably pushing for Collins, and he probably had a big say in everybody that came in. But they they cared more in my opinion about the pass protection part of it. So he doesn't get the horses to run his stuff. So then I thought it was okay though, that he was able to install and get all this gap run game in there to better fit them. And it was working really well before this week. I know we had this recency with this week, the run game sucked and now the run game's terrible. And you know, by least season long stats it is, but there was that. I still have hope that that three week window is more so what we might see for the future where they're running this new scheme. And I think it's impressive that he's able to install that. Wouldn't say he's done a perfect job this season, but I think he's, to me, he's been fine. And I think just firing him because you're mad, um, that stunts offensive line development more than keeping him would. Yeah, I think of Frank Pollock, and then I'll get to Zach Taylor and my thoughts on that because, again, anytime you lose, everybody wants someone fired, and that's going to be the answer. I never think that's the answer in early part of the season, especially when you're still in this season and you're one game out of your division of first place. Uh, you don't make those kind of moves, and this team doesn't make those kind of moves. Maybe at the end of the season is something we would see when it comes to the firing of a coach, when it comes to a position coach. Zach Taylor's yeah. not going anywhere, so we'll get that out the window. No, but uh, with Frank Pollock alone, I agree with you. I I was a little, I mean, of course, you never want Joe Burrow to take that many hits during a game. That was terrifying. I, I didn't even want Joe Burrow out there in the fourth quarter with the way that he was going. It was like, okay, go ahead for his safety. Please put him on the bus. Get him, get him out of here. Um, but at the same time, I, I was praising the offensive line a couple weeks ago. I thought, hey, credit where it's due. They're really starting to get it going. The chemistry is starting. And I, I was just really surprised with all the Frank Pollock blame this week because it's out there and it's it's it's, it's crazy to me. And, and hopefully it is. It's something that they keep learning. The chemistry keeps growing. But I wasn't all down on the offensive line after this week. Of course, you don't want Joe Burrow to get hit. We'll get to another question. Der German Tiger says the Panthers prefer the Panthers prefer a four man front and low blitz rates on third down, but still are one of the worst third down defenses in the league regarding EPA. Well, our third down offense is top 10. Could this decide the game or is it just a random data point? Um, I don't think that'll decide the game. That feels very <laughs> specific. I think it could give them an advantage. I think it could give them an advantage. Um, but you know what that sounds like to me is the Cleveland Browns. They play a four down front. <laughs> they didn't have a very good defense. And <laughs> all that. The Panthers have a, pretty good, a, a good pass rusher too in Brian Burns. He's a very good Love spinning. He's one of the best spinners in the league with uh, going inside and out. It's very fun to watch. Probably not going to be fun to watch if he does to to the Bengals. But <laughs> in general, I like guys that can spin inside and out. It just makes for a fun. He can ghost rush too. Um, yeah, I don't think it decides the game. I think it's a, a an advantage for the Bengals. It's but we need to see what is this third down offense without Jamar Chase. Because by my quick count, let's see. Well, they had a really good 26-yard gain on third down, but then they had yeah, yeah. Early on, they did a good job on third down. 
Yeah, I'd say actually just looking at the data real quick, just wrote it down. <laughs> um, it looked like they did a pretty good job on third down. Just even when they were really behind the sticks, they still picked up positive yards. Um, they picked up a few third and long. So maybe this could still be good. And third down is, that's the quarterback time. Third and long, that's that's uh, no threat of a run game. Drop back pass, that's quarterback go make something happen. And Joe Burrow's good at doing that. So I think it's an advantage. Um, but I would say it probably doesn't decide the game. I think the game will probably be decided a few different ways. That's an advantage for the Bengals, but can they block Brian Burns? And can they can they hand, can they hold up in the trenches? Because as much as we were praising them for all these guys stepping up in the New Orleans game, that interior defensive line against the Browns got kind of dominated, and uh, that's never what you want to see. Nothing gives me any given Sunday like this Bengals season in my entire life because it's NFL season, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter. Cause you know, the thing is a lot of people are looking at the Ravens second half of the, the schedule and saying, Oh, they don't play anybody with a winning record as of this moment. I'm like, that is just not that there is something that's going to happen for them because there's no way that it's that perfect that you just ride off into the sunset. You take that AFC North division because everyone is still really close. It's not turning out to be a great division right now. Uh, in the first half of the season, but I, I think it's sometimes too good to be true for some of these teams who are off to a hot start. But um, I want to get to David Lytle. We actually answered a little bit of his first part of his question, so I'm going to get to the second part as I refresh my screen to see if Sidney Jones has been signed to Cincinnati because that's what everybody wants on Twitter right now, and I think a lot of NFL teams who want another starter in their secondary. But he says, what will our defense look like without Cheeto? Oh, man. I have to assume more zone heavy, but in the NFL on third and one, third and two, that's man coverage down. So, you know, you're going to have to trust it. I, I, I think that's actually to go back to the Panthers thing. That's probably actually what's going to decide the game is if these corners can hold up against the Panthers, mainly DJ Moore, but you know, them in general, do they let Terrace Marshall get behind them for a big play? Do they, let us anything else happen. They weren't good when Cheeto left. I, I'll say that much. So I I think that Lou will be able to pull together a decent defense, maybe even above average defense without Cheeto. It is tough though, because that is he overcame Reader a bit, not perfectly, but you know, he's able to overcome it a little bit, trying to you know, slant spike, get all these guys to get some quick wins to get tackles for losses instead of just playing for one yard gains because they're better because we, because the Bengals are better than them. So can he get something like that for the pass game? Maybe Cam Taylor Britt steps up. I thought he was fine against the Browns. He had some wins, had some losses. Can he step up? Can Eli Apple play better than he's been playing this season? And can Mike Hilton stay healthy? I know he missed practice again. So that one's a, a little bit scary. I will say that is where I would play Dax Hill if uh, not outside. He did not look good outside, but slot, I'd play up there. So that, that'd be an interesting if Hilton misses, do they put Hill there? But yeah, that's, I, I don't know if it'll be pretty, especially at first, but I think they'll figure it out and maintain at least a solid level of play. I think if Lou can keep this unit afloat right now defensively, because as you mentioned, after the bye, they're going to reassess DJ Reader. You know, fingers are crossed, optimistic that this guy can return for the Steelers game and a slate that won't be easy in November before you get the Chiefs, before you get the Bills, before you get the Ravens again, which is absolutely a gauntlet in uh, the December and, and early January for this team, depending on where they're at at that point. Obviously, staying healthy was to their advantage last year. But if you were to tell me the top five players on this team, I would say Joe Burrow. Jamar Chase, DJ Reader, Cheeto. And when you take, and I'm just doing those guys right now, those top four, and you lose three of those guys, it's unbelievable. Um, you just had more, like I said, more of that, I wouldn't even say luck on your side. You had more of the health on your side this time last year, and that was helpful during the run. So that is very concerning for me right now. But I I truly believe, Lou, if, if, he, can, if he can get it going and just keep this defense in a top 15 or just right around there um, that that guy's not even going to be here next year. He's going to be a head coach somewhere because <sighs> being without some of your top players on defense, I know it's an offensive league, but I, 
So, yeah, my thought on that is just I think he's still here next year because there's two defensive coordinators that are probably in line before him and Dan Quinn and D'Amico Ryans. So do they hire three defensive coaches or do one of those guys turn down a job like Dan Quinn did last year? If I was Quinn, I wouldn't. <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah, he could be. He could be a head coach next year. But I do think greater than 50% chance he's again in Cincinnati next year. But we'll see. I, um, no, that's no, that's nothing to do with him. I think he's incredible. That's yeah. that's everything to do with there's two guys that I think have had a little bit longer tenure of doing incredible things on the defensive side. Well, I want Lou to be a head coach because he too. deserves it. I don't want him to be a head coach because I want him to be in Cincinnati next year. I, I think they could add more to their defense. I want to see him with Dax Hill. Not, I want Dax Hill to get his turn when it's time for him to be on the field. But next year, what that will look like in the secondary, what Lou will do as he's working with that unit, I want him to be the defensive coordinator next year. But if he's not, I totally understand why. There's one question I want to get to, but it's more of a lengthy answer. So I'm going to move into our third segment as we do preview and prediction. We'll wrap that up. Great questions as always. We're going to throw those out on Thursdays. The mailbag, a lot of questions about this team right now, a lot of concerns and a little optimism going forward as they could go five and four into the bye week. Big home game against the Carolina Panthers. We'll talk about that next on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. It's always game day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Moving one question into the third segment because it's something that honestly was a topic of discussion before the season. And I know a lot of Bengals fans thought, why is this team not getting the credit? They were the defending AFC champs. They won their division. They went to the Super Bowl. They over came Joe Burrow coming back from a crazy injury and nobody's feeling the Cincinnati Bengals this season. Then you get into the season, they start 0-2 and the topic of conversation is Super Bowl hangover. You can look at the Los Angeles Rams. They're struggling. They're right in the same boat. And Rob Hill says, are we currently a victim of last year's success coming, coming of success coming too soon last year? Hmm. I would say no. Um, I think last year, just the ball bounced away a tiny bit more, but they were in the same spot that the Bengals are in right now, for the most part. <laughs> Heading into the bye week, uncertain if they'll even make the playoffs, everything like that. Um, but I think that's interesting because, you know, they were ahead of schedule last year. Uh, the, last year shouldn't have been when they – made the playoffs, made the Super Bowl. I mean, made the playoffs, fine, but they, they took it they took it and ran with it and made the Super Bowl, came up just short. But, yeah, I personally don't think that it has – I was trying to find the question just to read it over again. Yeah, I, I, I butchered that you're question no, from our fine. guy. And, and it was almost like paraphrasing it right now. You know, are we a victim of last year's season of success – coming a little too soon that maybe that's kind of like almost like not even a, a hangover. Team, so from, from the, from the team side, I would say, no, I don't think so. Maybe the only thing I could think of that made the success too soon is you give Zach the big extension and, you know, you're not too worried about fixing some stuff that might need better fixes than they gave it. You know, the depth at wide receiver, things like that. But as fans, Maybe because they, they, I feel like the fan base in general, they, they, they are very much Super Bowl or bust <laughs> and that is hard to do, especially with a young team. So I don't know. What, what do you think about it? To me, as a team, I don't think that I would say the success came too soon for them. I think that was good experience. No, I think you had the talent around them. And, it, and it's crazy because I do think they, when healthy, they have more talent this year. Uh, but that really doesn't mean a thing. Um, it's really just kind of how you put it together, health, a little bit of luck, and having Joe Burrow play the way he did last year. And even this defense, I'm credit to him. There was a lot of playmakers on defense. But at the same time, the team believed they could do it. And they, they would tell you that all season. None of that was a surprise to them, the run that they went on. 
I think for fans, um, you know, definitely for myself as watching it and going back and following this team since pretty much I knew I could watch football on the television, that it was very surprising that it happened last year. And it's one of those things that one day they're going to go on a run and hopefully they do because it's not easy. It's never easy to get back to one. Um, goodness, this is my first one in my lifetime. And I know they've been to two others, but at the same time, I think the overall picture of it is last year happened and Joe Burrow and this team showed, Hey, we know what it takes to get to a Super Bowl, And they'll still know that right now. But a lot of the players in the locker room say, Last year was last year. This is this year. They're not thinking about that. But the fans are thinking about that. And maybe they're lying a little bit because they're thinking a little bit about it and a little bit of revenge of getting back to the big game. But for fans, they're watching it as, well, they already went. Top team, top AFC team. They're better than they were last year. They fixed their offensive line. Yeah. You you get these receivers. You saw Jamar Chase have himself a rookie year on pace for a better year than his rookie year. I remember the offseason. <laughs> well, so the expectations are higher, and they should be higher. They should be. They should be. Because, honestly, I say it right now, and it's definitely a homer-biased topic if I bring it up or tweet it out. I think they are the best team in the AFC North. They are not playing like the best team in the AFC North. They have the better overall roster in the AFC North when everyone's healthy. They do. But it's not working out. And Joe Burrow said it the other day. He's like, I'd love to be 8-0, but that's not reality right now. I think as fans, we talk about, oh, they should be 6-2. and two. You know, they should be 5-3. and three. They should be 7-1. and one. But that's not what happened. The and reaction has also gone from Joe Burrow's the uh, MVP, top three candidate, and this team's you know right back on track to one game later, and everything's come crashing down. Let's just wait a few more weeks before we you know freak out too much. Well, that's why it's good to have him as a quarterback because yeah. some of his press conferences, actually every press con conference that Joe Burrow has had since the night he was drafted, I've always been impressed by. And that's no offense to Andy Dalton, but he always says something and you're like, man, this guy's so level-headed. And he talked about it this week. He's like, last week we were the best team, one of the best teams in the NFL, and now we stink and we're not going to make the playoffs. And just kind of having that level-headedness, he doesn't go to social media and tweet out things after the game or retweet fans or, you know, get into that interaction to, you know, just look like this guy can't take losses or say things after a game and throw his offensive line under the bus. This guy dealt with a crazy, terrible injury his rookie year, and he's not once ever thrown his offensive line under the bus. Mm -hmm. Never. Never this team. And never his coaching staff. When everybody – he even brings it up. You know, if people want to talk about the play calling and all that stuff, he talks about the relationship he has with his head coach. And I think that's great for an organization to have the quarterback they do in Joe Burrow because when you're down right now – and again, four and four – it. It could always be worse. <laughs> it could always be worse. It's not great. And I feel like, you know, they have to get off to better starts in games. We've been saying that since week one and they've struggled with it. And what happens when they get behind, they more than likely lose the game and, and it makes they make life harder for themselves. But I think as fans, the expectations are very high right now. And you said it best, like, obviously it's like Super Bowl or bust. One of the questions I had in the offseason, I promise we'll get to predictions in this segment, but one of the questions I had in the offseason is what would fans or what would you consider a successful season this year? And I got all kinds of different reactions. It was definitely postseason related, uh, winning 12 games and winning the divisional game, going to the AFC championship game, going to the Super Bowl, winning the Super Bowl. There were rarely people saying just getting to the playoffs. Nobody was saying that. And we are to the point of the halfway point of the season where that's kind of the mindset right now, because after Monday night football, when we recorded this podcast right around midnight, I thought there's, there's really no topic of playoffs. I don't think that team is anywhere close to where the top AFC teams are. And that was an overreaction Tuesday uh, because 
look, a week ago, they were one of the best teams in the AFC. And everybody wanted to say, don't forget about Cincinnati. They're one of the top teams. They're without Jamar Chase, but they can still, you know, put on a show with this offense, this defense. And, you know, this is just the reality right now. So I would say it definitely is more of a fan reaction. And I'm in that category, 100%. My expectations are high. They're still high. But I don't think it has impacted the team one bit. I think there are just some things in the offseason that the team could have done that they didn't do. And one of those situations is your depth department and a lot of key positions. We look about we look at the cornerback room right now. We look at the wide receiver room, and there's not one receiver that I want out there. I don't want Joe Burrow to ever throw the ball to Mike Thomas ever again. I truly don't. And he and he might not. <laughs> but but yeah, so I mean honestly, I, I do. I agree with you. I I feel like I took 10 minutes to answer that, but I truly believe it's, it is the fans' expectations, and that is totally fine. Um, and they're disappointed, and that's fine. Your expectations should be high when your team just comes off the Super Bowl and loses with a minute and a half to go in a championship game. Um, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, I never, I don't like the whole, it was, it was early for them. We, it's early. I think we were just surprised with it happening last year with everything they dealt with in 2020. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I just think uh, fans fans are allowed to feel like the. Yeah. I was like, yeah, how long do we have for predictions? I feel like I was preaching. I feel like I was preaching. It was a Sunday yeah. morning. Didn't want to interrupt. It was great. You know, fans, it, I thought it was great. I, I think sometimes there's a little bit of the fans that, you know, it was a little bit early for them. They have to know the ups and downs of a regular season for pretty much every team is like this. Okay, prediction time. Yes, let's you want to go first? Let's talk football. Yes, because I've said it on this podcast. I normally make my decision on what I think is going to happen in a game as we're recording this podcast because I think about it. I think about it going into the week. What do you think the matchup's going to look like? I send it in on all Bengals on Thursdays or Fridays. And I will just say what I, th- it's almost like what you think and what's going to happen. What I think and what I think will definitely happen on Sunday, because this is what they do. They get, you know, I wouldn't even say they get blown out much because they don't, but they did. And they always come back and bounce back. This offense gets together, even though they're without Jamar Chase. I know you look on the other side of P.J. Walker. A lot of people are comparing to a guy who's mobile. We saw what he was able to do last week. An incredible throw. I don't know what the Falcons were doing. He shouldn't have been penalized. I think that was silly, but that's besides the point. I will say it's going to be a semi-close game. This offense, I don't believe they can hit 30 without Jamar Chase, even though they do have the talent. But I'll say 26-20, and I'll go the Bengals have a bounce back game. Yeah, so it's hard for me to say the offense will hit 30 because I was very confident that they could against the Browns, and they did not. The Browns? The Browns. (laughs) I think if I quickly look – uh, do the Panthers have a better defense by DVOA than the Cleveland Browns? So this is what you get behind the scenes Google search. Of just what... real quick, I'm just going to talk <laughs> while I go. But uh, so the Panthers, oh, do they definitely have a better defense than the Cleveland Browns? Number 18 by DVOA, uh, but that that is buoyed by the rush defense which is top 10 and then the pass defense is bottom five so we'll see if they can take advantage of a pass defense that's playing pretty poorly maybe that goes into the german tigers question about you know third down it's their pass defense that's not doing very well their early down stuff is pretty good um i think the Bengals win but i've lost a lot of confidence in saying that uh no. because i I think this offense just looked more rough than I thought it would. I thought they'd be able to, you know, slowly matriculate down the field, run some quick game, do some RPOs, just, you know, stuff that they felt like they did in 2020 where, yeah, our offensive line isn't protecting the best and we don't have burners down the field, but we can hit stuff underneath. We've got Boyd, we've got Higgins, we've got a good tight end to do that. So I don't know. I was surprised they didn't get to more of that, even though that's not exactly what worked, I don't believe, in the game. It still just felt like on a chalkboard, if I'm drawing up the Browns defense and I'm thinking, like, how do I attack this with the guys we have? I'm thinking quick game stuff. And the Bengals are actually pretty good at quick game, but they didn't get to it. So I don't know if they continue to do that against the Panthers. It's a similar defense to the Browns, to be honest. Four-man front, quarters, cover three things the Bengals should be able to take advantage of in the passing game. 
but they didn't last week. I will say I don't think they get to 30. I lost the confidence in that. I'm actually under you. I, I, I think it's 24-21. I think the Bengals win. It's going to be tighter than you want. They go into the bye week. They try to get healthy and bounce back against the Steelers as well, just string some wins together. But I think Brian Burns could be a problem. The tackle play has been insufficient in Cincinnati, and he's a very good edge rusher. So if there's one thing that could really ruin this game for the Bengals, it's that. Plus, I believe J.C. Horn is still healthy, but he is not the type of cornerback that – yeah, he's still healthy – He's the type of quarterback that's going to do a lot of what the Browns did with the grabbing and the, you know, all that stuff. So if the officials have a, you know, loose whistle, don't call that stuff, that could hurt the passing game as well, just like it did last week on Monday. 24-21, I think the Bengals win. I think it's not going to be the most exciting game. And they they could lose. I they mean, could. Easy recipe there, just like it was last week. If Foreman can get going on the ground and they get a few bombs from PJ Walker, that wouldn't be great going into the bye week four and five of a loss to the Panthers. But I do think they're able to pull this game out. I have some. I, I don't have much confidence in that, but I do believe it. I, that's that's a that's a head prediction. I hope and not a heart prediction because this is there are two and whatever six two and six yeah see another thing uh the panthers are two and six this isn't you know the greatest team in the world but they could beat the bengals and that's not where i wanted to be at this point after the falcons game i was hoping i was just like yeah you know they roll these last two games and head to the bye week on a high didn't happen but bounce back win against the panthers 24 21 i don't i don't think they have anybody that's really gonna hang with the bengals wide receivers but We'll see. Yeah. I mean, anything is possible. I agree with you. My confidence isn't fully there. And did I think this week that maybe I don't know if I can take them? Yes. But I'm saying they're back home, sweet home. You have a game where you just get punched in the mouth and you're like, we can't look like that again. Uh, 1 p.m. kickoff, which is my favorite at home. Paycor Stadium, 73 degrees in November. I love it. So, um, so yeah, should be a good one at Paycor. And I would love to have two weeks going into the two weeks, including the bye, where we're just talking about a five and four team, you know, to be determined on what happens with the Ravens and the Saints. Uh, you know, everybody's dealing with injuries right now, which isn't fun. And this NFL league, right? I, I don't like it. I hate it. I want everyone to be healthy because it's not fun seeing star players go down. And that's what we're dealing with right now. But yes, what's on all Bengals? Nothing right now. I, I had that. I, I was. I had to travel. Check it out. <laughs> yeah, check out all Bengals. Give James Rapine the clip, the clicks. But I don't have anything up there right now. I traveled uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, so it was rough, especially with the Monday night football game. I barely even watched. I was just like, I got to get through this. So I watched and I, I watched carefully, but I, I had to find time to do that because I was just like, oh my goodness, I'm so busy. I just got back last night and then to today, so. Nothing okay. right now. That's okay. Go follow him on Twitter, Bengals underscore Sands. We'll have a breakdown. You won't even have to go to all Bengals. So make sure you check it out. You can follow me at LNDS Patterson. We will be back on Sunday to recap either a win, a loss, a tie. Hopefully not. A delayed um, game. A delayed game. No, there's no delayed game. It's going to be sunny. No, um, it could be a, all the COVID delays. Maybe we'll be playing Wednesday night football. What? We are really talking about that. Bring the positivity back to this podcast. Thank you, as always, for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.